I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Old School. I'm Rick Lasky, along with my best bud, Chief John Salka, and we've got another good topic for you. But before we before we get to that, John, um, I know we kind of hinted around, we talked briefly about it before, but I'm not going to let this show go uh, any further time wise without saying congratulations to my best buddy, um, uh, the 2022 Tom Brennan Lifetime Achievement Award winner at FDIC. Uh, I know you, you got the Hall of Fame back in 2019, was it, uh, for for Firehouse and uh, uh, long 19. time, long time, hey, long time coming, buddy. But and I know you, you know, you're like, ah, yeah, I can see you shaking your head. I'm like, nah, you know what? This needs to be mentioned. This is pretty cool, and you've earned it. You've, uh, you know, we 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 talk sometimes about the the Chiefs out there with the nine foot right arms, right? Because they're always reaching back patting themselves on their own back and look at me and all this stuff. And uh, you're one of the most modest dudes uh, I know. I always tell people don't confuse confidence for cockiness, but uh, uh, I just, I just want to, you know, congratulations, long time coming, buddy. You know, I I sit there sometimes and think about, uh, uh, you know, all, all the, 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 the lives that you've impacted, you know, I get firefighters all the time going, man, I went through chief Salka's class and, you know, and, and life changing for a lot of people, just like it was for you and I. We talk about our mentors and, you know, the Chief Kennedys and you know, the people that that changed our lives forever. And and uh, so hats off to you. I know you don't want to talk about it. Well, but I guess it's an indication that I'm getting close to the end of the road. <laughs> you know? But but congratulations. So if anybody's going to FDIC this year in Indy, first of all, it's going to be a great conference. Uh, it, they're merging gems with it, and they're going to do the. I'm telling you, I know, I know I'm kind of different in the way of, I, I love EMS and, and uh, as paramedic for a long time, but the gems games are like the Olympics. It's something pretty cool. I've had people that are really not into EMS go, they've watched that. And they went, that's pretty freaking incredible. It's like they have to run a scenario trauma. It's, it's pretty cool to see some of the best teams in the country compete. Um, it's like watching a guy do the combat challenge. And, and set records with it. It's, it's pretty cool. So hopefully we'll see it, Indy. John and I'll be there the whole week. Stop and uh, congratulate my buddy on, on his uh, recognition, the Tom Brennan Lifetime Achievement Award. And uh, hey, so we've been busy in Wichita West. Um, I, I blamed, uh, I was teasing Chief Fetzer and Ryan the other night saying, yeah, okay, you're running us ragged with all these calls, but we've been running just a, a ton of stuff already this year. And right now we're into a lot of pretty significant grass fires and things like that, brush fires. Um, you guys uh, responded uh, mutual aid to, it was Washingtonville's fire, right, John? You had a, a Yeah, job. the other night. Yep, yep. Night. Actually, uh, it was a standby. Star loves a standby, which the guys are always disappointed about. Uh, however, I was, you know, 
mentioned, and so do they, that we often uh, we often go on a mutual aid call to stand by somewhere, and then 15 minutes later, 10 minutes later, we get called to the scene because whatever the incident is that was going on is still developing, and and often we get called. You know, both both of the places that we go to stand by in now and then, uh, about half of the time we end up at the scene anyway, which is what happened the other night. It was a pretty advanced uh, private dwelling fire. Well, and I, uh, fatal, um, wasn't much they could do for this poor, the poor gentleman. Uh, I guess uh, he was already gone and well gone. Uh, uh, but they found him right away, it sounds like, right? You know, as they went through the, fr- went through the front yeah, door, the, like the you The hose say. line guys, the guys on the first line, uh, you know, stumbled upon him, yeah. Another one through the front door, like you always talk about, and uh, got inside the front door and boom, had him. But so then... So you guys ran out that 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 uh, call. And sadly, uh, civilian lost his life, but uh, the firefighters did an incredible job with the the challenges they were faced at that fire. And you've got a great group around you anyway that runs together. But then you guys ran. You had kind of got. I guess that's where we need to go for this show. Uh, one of those surprise calls. You know, we did one a while back uh, called the routine house fire, and you and I both consider the word routine like a, a curse word, like it shouldn't even be said especially in church, you shouldn't say routine, but I think sometimes, John, we get snookered. They dispatch, you know, it's like they dispatch us to, you've got the 28 year old male that, uh, you know, difficult of breathing or short of breath. You go, okay, this guy's having an asthma attack. You pull up and there's a 28 year old full of rest. And all of a sudden you're running for bags and things like that, you know, cause you know, that whole, sometimes we get lulled to sleep or it's just a little complaint or you, or you just get plain out flat out surprised. Dispatch does everything they can to gather all the information they need to give you what you need. And you pull up and go, holy shit, this is different than we got. And that's what you guys had the other day, right? Yeah, you know, it started out, uh, again, I was home, pager went off, and it was a report of a, uh, it was a medical call, basically, uh, for a fall. A male patient, a male victim fell, I think they said 15 feet. I could probably look it up. Fell 15 feet. And no mention of a construction site or anything like that. So, of course, my mind is not racing, but I'm thinking as I'm driving there, well, gee, I wonder what happened. Maybe the guy was trying to clear some snow off his roof. Maybe yeah. the guy had a ladder up to fix something or change a light. Who, who knows what it could be, you know? And, and it was on a residential street, so I wasn't thinking commercial or anything like that. So now I'm driving up there, of course, and now all of a sudden I turn into the street. There's two police cars ahead of me. We're heading up the street. As we get closer and closer, there are trucks, big, gigantic commercial vehicles, and about five or six concrete, you know, trucks. There's there's all a sign. Line. There's a sign right there. Right, all in a line up the side of the street. We go drive past them, get up to the corner, make the right, drive into the street. The street looks like a construction zone, and sure enough, it is. There's a there's a one of the empty lots there. They're building a uh, they're building something. So they have a the hole's been excavated, and the the uh, uh, the forms are up for the, for the foundation, you know, the poor foundation. And I, I just follow the cops right in. And before, you know, I mean, it's exposure two side with, uh, you know, we call it two, you, you'd say B. And uh, so now they're looking down into the hole. So this foundation is, so let's say it's a 10 foot hole, gigantic hole, the size of a half of a football field. And all the forms are set up inside this hole, right? With all for all the, all the walls of the foundation that are going to be there. And this guy fell. He was standing on top of the forms and he fell off that all the way down to the bottom of the hole. And he's actually, he's not pinned, but he's sort of laying sideways between the forms. His back is against the forms that he fell off of. Is this, Jenny, John, is this like the, the, is this like the, the forms for the foundation they're going to pour? Right. For a basement. Okay. 
Right. So he fell into that, into that, you can't call it a hole really. It's, it's, it's a, it's the area between the, the, the forms that are down to the bottom and where he was laying with his back against the forms, his front was facing the dirt and the dirt was, you know, the, the edge of the hole. We're all standing up at the top of the edge of the hole. Now looking down my rig rides, my rescue rig rides. I get a couple guys down there, 66 year old male conscious breathing, but in pain and sort of semi-conscious. One of the other workers was down there with him. Language barrier, spoke only Spanish. Make a long story short, a lot of stuff happened, but a lot of stuff didn't happen. You know, I, I immediately realized we were going to need more people. We only had three guys on the rescue. One of them was out at the rig, and he was shuttling, you know, equipment as we needed it, moving the rig around, making room for the ambulance, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I called back the dispatch and told them, resound for all available manpower and get my ladder truck up here. And I'm thinking... It's at least 10, 12 feet down into the hole. There was no portable ladders around anywhere. We'll get, I we're going to get this guy up once we package him. So they start looking at getting a collar on him and cutting his coat open. It was very cold. And I got to tell you, to jump ahead, nobody ever really arrived. We did end up with one guy, I think, from what I heard. One guy down at the firehouse called on a portable, said, I'm down here, you're 189, which is the lab trick. I said, yeah, bring it up, Scott. And uh, eventually he did show up. By the time he pulled into the street, he had to back out. We had the victim in the ambulance already. So my point was, you know, in the volunteer fire service, this is a whole separate issue. This is a confined safe discussion. This is a medical discussion, but this is also a staffing discussion and a volunteer firefighter staffing and recruitment discussion, because here we are in the middle of the daytime. I put a second call out for all available manpower to the scene. And basically one guy responded to that. You know, well, but John, but think about it though, too, you know, okay. So, I always, always talk about both of us having been career guys as well as volunteers. And especially for you, you'd leave the Bronx. I always joked about you had the Sears Roebuck Fire Department. You know, you, you, you hold a finger up in the air and your aide has the world coming to you. And then you would drive home and the pager goes off. And now, like you say, you're going, give me all manpower and you get one person. So you got to be thinking on both fronts. So there's even career departments, John, that that show up with minimum staffing and don't maybe have the, you know, the equipment or with them or whatever to, to initiate the rescue. But what were some of the challenges you were looking at um, from the onset where there's to get this guy out of there? Well, the first problem was, was the language barrier, which conveniently and quite accidentally worked out well. One of the sergeants, one of the police officers there, a Spanish speaking police officer, he stepped right in. He started talking to the guy, talking to the other workers who were also Spanish, you know, Spanish speaking. Um, so we got his name right away and how old he was and et cetera, et cetera. So that worked out good. The other one was we needed more people down there. And, and specifically, we had to send down you and you, two, two, two of the local construction workers that were there. I pointed to them, you and you down there, get down there right now. So here I am deploying construction workers down there to help lift this guy up so we could get the backboard under him. So my guys could continue packaging him, you know, and they went down. They were very for lack of a better term, very obedient. They went right down. They looked at me like, okay, you know. And Well, could you imagine, though, you know, and, and as luck would have it, like you said, with the language barrier was solved pretty quick, pull up on this call a little bit before that, before any of the forms are in place. And now you've just got a trench, you know, without any without any support to support, the, you know, anything else from, you know, this guy fell. It's not like he got you know, the dirt caved in and collapsed on top. Right. It wasn't a so, dirt incident, but he was down there. Right. This, this could have been, this, this could have been significantly different where now it's not just how do we package them up and get them out of there. 
is how do we get them out of there to package them up even, you know, to, to, before we even get them out of the hole. So let me ask you this, what, you know, Orange County is a big County there. Um, you know, in some places have it, some don't uh, resources, John, around you. Um, I know in Louisville, all we had to do, if they said, if they said, you know, trench collapse or confined space or whatever, that was the call. If dispatch didn't automatically do it, which there were certain criteria where they would do it automatically, but if they missed it or new dispatcher, or maybe they had the information and the, and the battalion chief or the captain said, nah, automatically we would call, we do the shared resources, right? Instead of trying to be all things to all people, like Louisville was the dive team. You know, they were the big dive team. Um, you, you had one department did high angle and another department did a couple of departments did hazmat, uh, a couple did collapse with well, Capel, Capel right next to us. Oh my God. Everything that you needed in the way of collapse, rescue or confined space. And so we would get them rolling, John, even if we had to turn them around, but get them there. So they were, you know, so we knew ahead of time, talk about how important it is, especially as a chief in your area, but how important is it to know where the resources are at in the first place before the call even right. comes in. Right. That's very important. And you and I talk about this all the time. And it's the same issue. It, 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 there's no difference at all. None between confined space, hazmat, fire, or anything else, medical for that matter. You know, you, you, you get a school bus accident with 21 children on it. All of those things that I just mentioned, you better be ready. And it's one of the things that I talked about. As a matter of fact, I just spoke at the, at the Long Island Fire and, Fire and EMS Expo the other day with New York State Chiefs ran a, uh, it's the second conference that they started doing. And I spoke there the other day and I put a new program together. And the program was the five, the five issues, the five like benchmark issues that chiefs have to deal with when operating in structural fires. And you know what the first one was? Assignment. What is your assignment? How many people are coming? Do you have enough people coming? Do you have enough rigs coming? Do you have the right rigs coming? You're the chief going to report of a building fire and you recognize it as, holy cow, that's where all those multiple dwellings are. That's where those garden apartments are. And you realize it's two o'clock in the afternoon and only one engine called out. My engines call out. They say we got two and two, which means we got two interior, two exterior, right? Or they might say engine 587 responding with, responding with four. It means I got four people on that rig, right? If I hear a single rig call out with three or four people on it and I'm going to something that sounds like a fire, it's my responsibility. If I don't already... If I don't already have it set up for automatic response, it's my responsibility to get on radio and say, you know, Irish 911, South Bloomer Grove, call one. Have me, have me send it. Get me an engine from Southbury Mills. Get me an engine from Marshville. Get me an engine from Monroe. All to the scene right now. Walk, transmit a second alarm, or however else it is you call for help. It doesn't matter. But the whole point is, in that class, just like the point we're talking about here, you're the responding chief. Whether you're a career department going from Station 1, whether you're a volunteer and you're sitting home and you get a call, you hear something, your mind should be not racing, but you should be thinking, gee, what could I need here? And if you already have it set up that you have automatic response during the day from your two neighbor departments, you're like, oh, you breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't have that already set up, you better think about calling somebody and getting there. What are you going to get there and realize, holy cow, I got a working fire in a, in a three-story apartment house and I got three guys coming, right? So that's what I did there. I, I, I went right back onto the radio, said all available manpower and a ladder truck to the scene. As I said already a few minutes ago, Unfortunately, it wasn't very effective because there was no available manpower. That, that's one of the that's one of the unknowns in the volunteer fire service. You really don't know who's available at home and didn't come out with the first call, right? So we ended up calling a neighboring department and all those other things occurred. But uh, it, it was quite an interesting call because there we are with this guy 
Luckily, I did have two people, or I would, or I would have been one of the guys down there trying to put him on a backboard. You know, and 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 my guys were great. Only two guys came off that rig. It was the captain and one firefighter, and they brought with them the Stokes, and they brought with some other equipment, a couple of hand tools, and so everything was laying right there as they needed stuff. We we got it hand down. A local volunteer ambulance corps was there, so they were there, and they were helpful. They had their work clothes on as well. They were helping hand the Stokes down and helping hand the uh, the backboard down. They did not go down. There was not enough room for them to go down. There was a medic there. There was two or three EMTs, but there was really no room for them to be down there. The guy was conscious, so we packaged him and and got him out of there. And then they, of course, then they took him and and you know transported him. Well, and, and they did a, and we did a, a medevac. The helicopter had to come. I had to send another fire department over to set up a landing zone, you know, near, nearby for a, for a medevac. So well, it was quite a uh, complicated one one victim event. Well, com- comment about this because we we just talked about we you and I always hammer away at how important. It is to have auto, good automatic and mutual aid. Have it, we always talk about before, that should be done like now for tomorrow. You, it should be already determined ahead of time, all your different resources. What do you, is it, is it tankers or tenders? What do you call them? I need water. Where am I getting that from? Is it more ladder truck, more people? All this different stuff we talked about, more ambulances, if it was a bus accident. Where am I getting the, the mass casualty unit? Blah, 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 all that different stuff. But also touch, because you and I are big believers and big proponents of good, strong, confident, command you know somebody that takes charge not not some screaming maniac that we've talked about before but here's another incident john that you know uh, we you know thought was just like you said you said it perfectly i think that should be the title of our show yeah we thought it was just a routine or just thought it was we were just going on a medical run you know you get a medical run for a fall how many of those do we get it fell fell off a ladder fell off this whatever and you pull up and this guy's you know, in this, in this, in, in, in this, this confined space, almost a trench, you know, this, where they're getting ready to pour the foundation. And you're like, okay, how are we going to get him out of here? He's busted up pretty good. All this is on so forth. Now you got everybody showing up and some experience, some maybe without all experience, but with good intentions. And we know what that can do sometimes. And the adrenaline of just, all right, this is no longer just a fall. What are some of the important things that you look for? If you weren't running this, if this is one of your other chiefs, or if you're in the Bronx, one of your chiefs, what would you be looking for in the way of the personality, attitude, and presence of that, that incident commander at an incident like this to keep anybody else from getting hurt? Right. And I'll tell, I'll tell you another thing I did. Obviously, the cops get there. The cops are in uniform. EMS gets there. Even though our EMS generally are all volunteers, they all wear uniform because they work shifts. Even though they're volunteers, they work a, you know, a 12-hour shift or whatever. So they, they're all in. They're in their EMS attire, right? I'm in the clothes that I'm wearing now. You know, I got a flannel shirt on with a with a brown with a brown vest and a pair of blue jeans. You know, and, and my jacket on. So I realized very quickly that this was going to be a much bigger event than a little EMS call. And I'm not minimizing EMS. I walked all the way back to my chief's car and I got dressed, put the white helmet on and the coat, got my flashlight, and I walked back. For a minute or two, I wasn't at the scene, but it worked out well. And now, as everybody started rolling in, more people and more more officials and everybody else. I, I, it, it helped me do my job a little bit better, just having that, that command presence, being dressed properly, being identified as the incident commander. There was no room there for, for flags or command posts or, or boards or anything like that, but everything worked out really well. And I'll tell you, for most of the incident, obviously the paramedic was talking to the, to the two guys that were down there with the victim. For most of the incident, I was the only guy talking. I was like, okay, you stand over here, you go over there. And I was from the top of the, I was still up at the top. I was at the, you know, up, up on the dirt looking down 
And even my guys, I said, Barlow, Mr. Barlow, I said, as soon as that victim's in the Stokes, because they, they packaged them onto the backboard first. And then they had to lift them up. There was no room next to them for the Stokes. They had to lift them up and move him in the direction of his legs, toward, all the way down to put him in the Stokes. The Stokes was, was on the ground at his feet. So as soon as they put him into the basket, I told my, my firefighter who was there, and there were two construction workers helping him, I said, as soon as you're done, step out of the way. And I had two, two of the ambulance people that were up on the, uh, up on the dirt with me. I said, go get a big, long board. Oh, this one? I said, no, twice as long as that. Luckily, it was a construction site. And they found like a 12 or a 15-foot two-by-six. We slid it right down into the hole. The truck never showed up with ladders. We slid it right down into the hole, and we put the end of that board right at the head of the Stokes basket. Somebody else threw me a rope. I threw the end down there. They quickly tied a rope onto it. And what we did was we, with all the EMS people up at the top, we all pulled and we slid that Stokes right up that two by six from the ground all the way up, all the way up to the top of the, to the top edge of the dirt. And boom, we lifted him up and off and he was gone. You know what I'm saying? So it worked out really well. And everybody was doing double duty. The EMTs were helping lift and pull and, and, and the construction guys were helping do stuff down in the hole. And it was just, it was an all like an all hands operation. You know what I'm saying? Well, and, this, is, uh, this is where you have to be, like you said, thinking on your feet. You know, if you're, if you're tunneled, if you're tunneled, God, no, no pun intended. If your tunnel vision is you're just looking down there and over, kind of overwhelmed or waiting for this, waiting for that, not thinking, how am I going to get him out of here? What are my options for getting him out of here? I can't land a helicopter here, you know, and hoist him up with, you know, what do I got to do? And if you're not aware, like you said, your surroundings, hey, I'm at a construction site. So somebody here doesn't have, like you said, a, a long two by six, two by 12, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Somebody doesn't have this. Sometimes I think some of the incident commanders are, they're, 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 they're a bit overwhelmed and they lose their sense of situational awareness of what's going on around them, which brings me to what I was going to say, not only just looking for that, which was key to getting him out of the hole, um, is you know, get, we talked about this before, get this set up ahead of time to have other chiefs coming. So you, if you get a second boss there, the first thing to say is, Rick, you know what? You know what I need right now? I need safety. I need someone just, just, stay, just make sure we're not, that we don't need anybody else hurt from this point. Look, I can take one of my guys off my rescue, make him like the rescue guy. I can take another one and do this. I have EMS already here. We, just watch us. And, and you know what? Look, I got I to gotta go back and get a battery. I change my battery, my portable, my car, whatever. Get my whatever it is, but I'm just saying having somebody there that's doing nothing more and somebody who's not afraid because you and I have watched videos. We've seen pictures of firefighters killed in wall collapses at fires with the damn safety officer and chief with their white helmets standing there watching instead of somebody saying, get out of there. And this isn't about, we've said it's about making friends. It's about having someone there that's willing to say, Hey, 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 back up, back up, back up. Look at the spoil pile. Look where you're standing. I said those exact words a couple of times yesterday. I said those exact words and, and everybody was very receptive. Nobody was, you know, pissed off or bent or gave me a look. And as a, as a matter of fact, he just reminded me another thing that happened was the chief of Washingtonville, who I had happened to see the night before at that fire. Right. He shows up at the scene. I saw him roll up in his car. I hadn't called anybody else, but he rolled up in his car and he, he came in. Now it turns out he is also his career is he's the chief medic of the ambulance corps, right? Okay. So he comes walking up. He hears the incident unfolding. And he says, how you doing, John? He says, I, he said, I'm not working. I'm not here as a, as a medic, but uh, I heard what was going on and blah, 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 blah. We talked real quickly. He said, listen, they're calling for a medevac. Um, if you want, 
get on the radio and send Washingtonville. I'll, I'll go down and I'll do the landing zone for you. I said, oh, great. Thank, thank you, Brian. So that's exactly what I did. I got on the radio, said, uh, have, have Washingtonville set up the landing zone at the uh, selected location, 10-4. So they got dispatched down to do that. And they had a nice crew, four or five or six guys and an engine down there when I got down there. And so, so that was nice too. That was a, uh, he sort of reached out on his own and showed up at the scene and offered a little bit of help, which was, which was very good. And those are those relationships that we talk about that are established through the chief's meetings uh, over a pizza, over a cup of coffee of, Hey, John, you know what? Um, we're going to be a little light this weekend. You know, Tommy's going out of town with his family. It's just me. If you hear anything, even if you're not dispatched, can you kind of start rolling our way? You know, because uh, I'm going to be light on bosses and that kind of stuff. And it's not and it's that- so funny because it wasn't 12 hours earlier. I was standing in front of a burning house with this guy. And we were talking about this and about, that. you know, then, then we took up, we left. And here we are 12 hours later. He's coming to my scene now and helping me do something else. It was just very nice, you know. Oh, exactly. Now, and the other thing too with this, I just mentioned like having good, a good strong incident commander, good firm incident commander, and having somebody in safety really just, you know, just <laughs> making sure we don't overextend or do something. I think some of the things we see with this, John, you and I have said this before at any incident, when, when, when companies or firefighters or officers go off task, how many times have we said, if you're the search team, your job is to do what? Search. If you're the roof team, you're the roof. If you're the line, you're the line. Stop trying to grab this, do this. But so when we go off task, you know, unless you come back and say, Chief Salka, already done. Good. Mission accomplished. All right, Rick, I need you to go do this now. You know, staying on task, some people call it freelancing sometimes, but staying on whatever task you were given until it's finished or whatever, instead of, well, now I'm going to jump here, jump there, because you know the overachievers sometimes the guys that the overhelpers that just want to do everything have a hard time focusing on and, and you know and being, what most of those problems get solved by communication so yeah you, you have these overachievers or these guys that are really into it really into it which is great they get something done instead of jumping onto something else what i always tell them is i want to hear that it's done and if you have a suggestion please come to it come to me with it you know like okay chief we took care of that we we got those 12 foot two by fours we put them in a hole anything else or if you want uh, I did think I saw some ladders down there. I'll try. So make a suggestion. Say, did you get anybody up to the roof yet? How about the rear? Is the rear been checked yet? Or, hey, you want you want a dry line here as a second line or a third line? Sometimes they do suggest something that I'm like, hey, you know what? Good idea, Tommy. Do that. So I like the idea of people thinking on their feet and coming up with new ideas. Just don't self de- just don't self deploy. Right, right. Either come to me or call me on the radio. And say, hey, chief, how about a portable ladder? We got two around the rear here. You want one in the front? Absolutely. Bring it around. Thank you. Good. You know? and, and that's what you, you want thinking firefighters. You want guys and gals that are doing that. But like you say, I think discipline, being disciplined, like we talk about the RIT team even. The, 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 the RIT team and the RIT team officer needs to be disciplined and focused on rapid intervention. That needs to be their deal. When you get these high-risk, low-frequency, this is extremely high-risk, very low-frequency. When's the last time you had a confined space, trench rescue call? You know what I'm saying? And we may never have another one, right? Yeah, exactly. Some some people, you know, for, so for the high risk, low frequencies, even more so when we're not familiar with it, or it's those career makers or guys, you know, whatever, you know, safety should be paramount no matter what, because we get guys hurt doing all kinds of things. But but having that now, I want I want to go back to something. I made a note to this and it just came back to my head again. When you talked about you turn, you know, you're in a residential area, hey, we're going to a fall, you turn the corner, uh-oh. 
I see construction trucks. I see a, like five, you know, uh, you know, cement trucks, um, this, this. So this goes back to what you and I said about when you're in your personal car, your Volley Chief's car, in your engine, going to the grocery store, coming back from your run, paying attention to what's going on in your town or your surroundings. You know, hey, they're, they, they're doing road construction out on, you know, whatever highway or whatever road. Okay, what are they doing? You know, and, and you, how many times we've been sitting at a stoplight, you look to your right and you see them down in a trench or you see them with the, with the, with the backhoe dragging the forms, the big steel forms as they're putting the pipe together. You know, it, there's times you go, when they bump out the fall, you go, the fall, first of main. Hey guys, keep your heads up because I drove by on the way to work this morning, way to the firehouse or on the way home to the grocery store. And they're, they're, there's all kinds of, they got the whole street tour up there. You know what I'm saying? You, you say it all the time about being aware. We've talked about going on the EMS runs and looking around a house and go, how would I stretch a line in here or on a CO call or something like that? You know, seeing a dumpster in front of a commercial building, pulling over and going inside, go, hey, can we take a look? Oh yeah, we're overhauling or we're, we're remodeling. Yeah, look at the ceilings wide open, so and so forth. Same, same is, is, you know, I think sometimes we overlooked that. We, we go, ah, oh, shit, traffic was backed up about three miles for construction. All right, I'm in the fire department. What are they doing? Because if somebody, say a construction worker gets hit by a car, somebody falls into a trench, into a, you know, into, into a, where they're getting ready to pour a foundation. So speak to me about that, John, about how important it is to know what's going on in your still district or in your town. And that's, and they're very good about it around here. This one in this county, about also you'll get a page, you know, a chief's page saying, be advised, Route 208 will be closed from, you know, from this street to that street from noon until 1 p.m. for construction. Then they'll at least let you know, which is good. So somebody's paying attention to what's going on. And, and now we, then I'll send something out to my fire department page saying to all members, all members be advised, 208 will be closed for construction. I repeat the exact thing. And now guys know not to respond down 208 with their personal vehicles that are going to be stuck in traffic or they'll never get to the firehouse in time. So those are all things that should be set up on a wider, on a, on a wider scale, not just within the department, but not just the dispatcher, but everybody should know that. Like the town, if the town is doing something, the village is doing something, the county, they should notify. And I always told them, let the fire department know. You let the cops know, let the fire department know. Well, and, you know, forget that this was at a construction site. You know, we get, we get, we get surprised by some high angle jobs. We get surprised. We talk about machinery, you know, you go somewhere for this or so you end up with someone with their hand ca <clears throat> caught in the machine or whatever. There's, I'm surprised how many departments don't carry. We used to have Granger as one of our sponsors at Fire Engineering. We used to talk about, was it 8,000 pages of information, whatever stuff. The lockout tagout kits are so inexpensive. You know, a simple little toolkit that you carry. First of all, know what you have in your district, but you know, OSHA requires it and factory people do yet. We have fire trucks, rescues that pull up, don't have one. They pull up, they got something involved in, something energized, whether hydraulically, electric or whatever. And they don't have the means, they have, everybody has the means to turn it off, but they don't have the means to lock it out and tag it. So nobody else can come turn it on when you're in there, making a rescue or whatever. Simple, simple kit. So for our viewers, ask yourself, ask your people, ask your bosses, what do we have? If you have one, God bless. If you don't have a lockout tagout kit, there's tons of versions out there. They're pretty cheap and it, it, it can save one of your people's lives. But same goes for an MVA, John. You get a car, off, especially by you, off in a ravine. You're looking at snow. just like now. It's freezing cold snow. And you look, you, you get a guy down there and he's like, uh, we got to get these two people out of here. One's got a you know possible C-spine injury. 
there's no there's no planks of wood you know so okay now we're talking a stokes basket we're talking ropes we're talking again what means do you have we we see some guys are, are are pretty creative with their their tower ladders their buckets ladders what making rescues over a bridge with a river things like that but i think sometimes something john something as simple as a car off an embankment down pretty far into a wooded area raining cold or just normal we get that all the time we get that all the time yeah so so what do you again it, i think it goes back to knowing what you have available in your own department your own equipment your own people you know what are you doing in-house for training what are you doing outside for training what when we you, ordered and equipped when we ordered and equipped our rescue uh we our winch is removable so we can put the winch in the front we can put the winch on the side of the rig on the side of the rescue rig we can attach it and we can the rescue rig can be parked this way and we can put the the uh, the cable down the ravine and pull a car up sideways or a person or a whatever you know and we knew that that's why we ordered that that well you know, and, feature. And just like you've got that as many times we go places and we say okay so okay your cross size your pre-connectors 200 feet of well, each three quarter what kind of nozzle okay what does it flow and people don't know what even flow what flow the other nozzles how many people know how to use all that stuff how to use the equipment you have you know, not everybody has a dedicated rescue company sometimes. So how do you know, you know, and what are the limits? Can we use our winch? Can we use our winch on this vehicle? Oh, I don't know. That's a pretty, pretty big truck. Yeah, it is a pretty big truck. And I don't, you have to know what the limit is. A thousand pounds, 2000, 12,000. Yeah. Any car that you see, you can pull up. Right. But suddenly everybody doesn't know that because they never had a winch in their hand. They never went to truck. They at least these young kids, they get little little cars. They never had a truck or a winch or nothing like that, you know? And let me ask right. you this. So South Blooming Grove, your great Valley Department. I love your guys. I always talk about them. Great. We, the more I get to meet them, the more I love your guys. Anyway, that being said, so tonight you've got drill, let's say. Tomorrow night's what drill for you. Um, and uh, guess what, guys? We're going to do ropes and, ropes and knots. And they all, and like, I know our place like, oh, geez, ropes and knots. Now you're throwing the end of a rope down into a hole saying tied off around, you know, all of a sudden now knowing your simple knots becomes a pretty big deal. I was thinking that when I threw that guy, that knot, when I threw that fireman, that rope, I said, tie a quick knot on there. Let's get him out of there. And his back was facing me. So he was working in front of him. I couldn't see his hands. It was a big old manila rope. He was tying, but again, not our rescue rope that we're used to. Right. And he made a nice knot very quickly. I don't know what he made, but I'm going to bring that up tomorrow night. That's another little specialty thing that got done last night. We had to use the wood. We had to tie a knot. We had to use a backboard. We had to use a stokes. They did a lot of stuff. They used like five different things for that one little operation, you know? Oh, exactly. So it goes back to the basics. And, you know, I was never a big one on the uh, same thing. I'm like, really? Can't you just give me a saw or a hook or a halogen? Let's go do that. Really? We're going to do knots today? Well, you know, maybe we don't have to do every single knot on the knot chart. How about we do the ones we're going to use the most? And some of those are actually fairly easy to tie. You know, bowlings and things are, are I mean, fa- handcuffed knot is easy, and the bowling is very easy too. Yeah. Both of those are real easy knots. Clove to, if you're holding tools up and down, a, you know, up from a roof or whatever, or to a position, you know, there's probably what I'd say I'd be exaggerated if I say there's five knots that you really should know backwards and forwards. It's probably not even that many, you know what I'm saying, for what we need to accomplish. And so, you know what? Don't be overwhelmed, guys, when the chief says or the tram says, hey, we're going to do knots. Go, oh, God, we have to do those 25 knots that are on that the, the board we have on the wall. 
That's why they don't know because there's 25 of them. Right? You know, maybe for training, we focus on we focus on one knot. And everything that knot, just let's do just one knot tonight. And let's talk, let's get, let's tie, 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 tie. Okay, guys, now let me show you how many different places you can use it. Let's talk about all the different uses for that one knot, right? And now, you know, we, we've got this knot down tying wise, and we know all the different uses for it. And we get up there. I, I, I remember being on a roof in Bedford Park and, and they threw me a rope and told me to tie. And I went, and I don't know how I did it till this day, John. I tied it perfectly. They said, because one of the guys had, he goes, here, Ricky. And I went, boop, boop, boop. And I'm like, I don't even know how I did that. I swear to God till this day, I don't know how I did that. But I guess repetition, I guess muscle memory, when we talk about it, comes into play and helps with that stuff. So, hey, we let's talk, we talked we talked about um, responding to runs and being surprised, whether that's a trench confined space, a, co- a collapsed issue, uh, lockout tagout, or, or machinery type issue, high angle, a motor vehicle accident that's between two concrete pillars, whatever. There's a hundred uh, you know, examples we give. Having John, we talked about having your automatic and mutual aid set up ahead of time and knowing where your resources are. I think there's departments out there that have bought rescue jacks they bought all kinds of stuff and maybe they forgot to tell their neighbors they got a grant or it was like eight months ago and everybody forgot because ah oh did they just get oh yeah they got that firehouse subs gave them that grant on the oh i forgot all about them like you said if you don't have bosses showing up kind of rolling that way hey john i know i'm not here but you need me yeah 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 put your stuff on come here you know those relationships like you said start ahead of time so know where your assets are your specialty teams your equipment Who's doing the training both in and out of house? You know, what, what do you have for a command system, a good safety officer, the discipline that you need uh, and, and staying on task to keep guys from getting hurt. That comes along with pacing yourself. Some of these guys, John, will work themselves into heat exhaustion. They'll work themselves to the point where they can't work anymore because they haven't learned how to figure out their pace, right? They haven't figured out how to, you know, to work good, steady, and hard without wearing themselves out, you know. So, and, and lastly, we talked about know your area, you know, pay attention. And uh, Traffic got all boogered up because they did this, but what was going on, you know, so you can maybe eliminate some of the surprises because this was just a fall call, right? This was just. Absolutely. And we didn't even, I had no idea there was something going on up there. It was a single lot that they were doing construction on. Last time I drove through there, there was nothing, you know. Any advice for, uh, let me, me, I'll I'll take a spin here. You're not in the Bronx anymore. Uh, You're home. You drove home from the, you know, the city and you asked South Bloomberg Grove, you're chief of your volunteer department. What if, you know, if you had a, you're, you got together with your fellow wizards at your chiefs meeting and they brought, you know, you brought up a point to make, what would you, if they said, John, what would be the lessons learned from the incident you just had that would help us, you know, we're your neighbors. I got to tell you without blowing smoke. It went really well yesterday. I was very happy with it. By the time I left, I mean, I'm sure there's a couple of things we could have done maybe differently or better. I was very satisfied with the way everything happened. You know, it was just a couple of us, and not just us, but every other agency was everybody integrated and worked together. We didn't have a single snafu in the whole operation between the EMS people and 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 the construction people. Everybody was very helpful. A couple of times, I almost got a little crowded there. I almost was ready to go, you, 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 and you, out to the street. You're blocking the area. But I didn't, and I ended up not doing it. That ended up being two of the guys that went and got the big long board for me when I needed it. You know what I'm saying? So it, it really went well. And that point I made earlier is really important. Make sure you get enough help. You can't do anything without help. 
nothing. You can't do anything without enough help there. You always got to call for more help. Yep. Well, like you said, and I mentioned before, you just mentioned again that command and control, man. And in, in the absence of command and control, it's 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 like a, like I always say before, it's like a bag of marbles hitting the ground and going in a thousand different directions. So one thing I got no problem with is command and control. <laughs> and that's why your guys love working for you and all the guys i know love working for you so hey that well another good topic buddy um we got fdic right around the corner can't can't wait for indy can't wait for indy um can't wait to see your whole family when they come into town yeah, uh, it's gonna be, be fun it's gonna be fun that'll be nice i can't wait to give colleen a hug and uh see dawn and everybody else but uh hey um if they want to get a hold of you for a class or to ask you a question or whatever what's the best email Chief John Salka at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. And we appreciate you hanging with us for another episode of Old School. Uh, make sure you tune in the third Wednesday every month for our hump day hangout that John and I do with our good friend and my co-host and show, Chief Terry McGrath from uh, Louisville, Texas. Uh, Chief Scott Thompson uh, from the Colony and the boss, Chief Bobby Halton. Uh, there's always some great podcasts. Uh, we also do the command posts, another show we do for fire engineering. Uh, so some great stuff coming up. So, hey, we always end all of our shows uh, with this very important phrase. Uh, and that's uh, and our desire for you is to keep the please keep the men and women and armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. And remember, never forgetting means never forgetting. Thanks for listening. God bless you. And we'll see you next time.